Ekbara means strength. Strength is often required in a divorce, even when we want to give up. Today's conversation with our guest named Agbara will hopefully remind you that you are not alone and to give you the strength to keep moving forward. Welcome to an episode in our Girl, I've Been There Too series. This series profiles our sisters who have been where you are. They know the stress, pain, confusion, relief, anger, and everything in between that you are feeling about divorce because they've been there too. This is real life and real talk because sometimes that's what we really need. They are sharing their experiences so that you too will know that you are not alone, that your grown girl community is behind you, and that you're grown. You got this. you so much for joining me today. We have agreed that you will remain anonymous during the interview to protect your privacy. But so that our listeners can connect with you a bit, please share with us a little bit about yourself, you know, like where you're from, how old you are, and what your perfect Saturday morning looks like. I am originally from Ohio. I am 42, soon to be 43 years old. Um, I currently live in North Carolina by way of Atlanta, um, and my perfect Saturday morning looks like waking up very late, <laughs> good brunch, good mimosas, yes. and kind of lounging the entire day. Yes. But it never worked out that way. Never, never, never. I love that. That sounds absolutely Perfect. We are going to get there at some point, I promise, right? Right. I'd say, say a daily prayer. For that. Oh, my goodness. My goodness. So, listen, you know, we're talking about divorce and the divorce experience. And it was really important to me that, you know, I share on the podcast real life experiences. And so, I am so thankful that you have agreed to share your experience and want to start out by just kind of understanding from you, you know, prior to your own divorce, you know, what experience or exposure did you have to divorce at all, if any? Um, not a lot, really. Okay. Um, my grandparents were married until the day that my grandfather passed away. Yep. Okay. Um, my parents were not married. So that was not ever like a, you know, they didn't have to get divorced. Sure. You know, they just broke up. Yeah. And they split up when I was really young. So it wasn't like this um, thing that affected me, I think, as far as like having to go through like living with them and then they break up. Like they broke up when I was like two years old. Okay. I don't even really remember them being together. Um, So I really didn't know much about divorce at all, really. Okay. And, you know, I think a lot of people are in that space, right, where it is their experience um, really either deals with what they've seen on TV or just kind of, you know, my marital experience is 
my parents were either together or they weren't together, but it wasn't kind of any kind of exposure to divorce. And so I'm curious when you think about whether or not what we'll call the lack of experience in dealing with divorce, do you think that shaped your own divorce in any way? Absolutely. Okay. I was um, pretty lost. Um, I mean, and even with my own, um, I mean, you know, in my efforts to continue to be anonymous, um, sure. in my own, in my own, with, even with my own legal expertise, I was still pretty green to the idea. Yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting. I, um, by way of background, of course, you know, I do divorce. And it's interesting because when people think about having experience and exposure to um, law practice, I find that it's very similar to when you ask a doctor who might be a pediatrician what they know about heart surgery. And they're like, I don't know anything, right? Because that's not my that's not my lane. And it's very similar, I think, with divorce when people are in the legal field, whether that's lawyer, paralegal, you know, legal secretary, we all kind of have our own lane. And so if you're not in the family law lane, you do something else, you don't know, right? So it's just like um, any other area. So it certainly makes a lot of sense where it was, I, you know, despite whatever kind of legal experience I have, this wasn't, this wasn't my area. So going back a little bit, tell me, how did you and your spouse meet? How did you guys connect? Um, we actually met while we were in college. Um, he was friends with some other people that were friends of mine. So he kind of, he stayed in the same like apartment complex. Okay. So we would kind of see each other sort of off and on. Um, just friendly, not really, um, you know, not really super interested in each other I, I mean I don't know maybe he was more interested in me I don't know maybe I just wasn't picking up on the sign <laughs> but, <laughs> sure. um he was just a cool person that kind of hung around sometimes so yeah I was just used to seeing him okay okay and so how long did you guys you know kind of date and and hang out before you decided to get married um we dated for gosh I would say maybe about two years. Okay. And then, um, surprise, there was my son. Ah, nice. Yep. (laughs) And then two years later, we got married. Okay. All right. So here we are, right? We are, you know, dating. Now we've got this bundle of joy and we, um, you know, get married. When you look back and, and certainly, um, Hindsight is twenty twenty, right? But when you think about, like, you know, kind of looking back, at what point do you think you started to think, you know, things may not be going um, as well, or I am not feeling like this relationship is is right in for me? Was that soon, or was that kind of later on, many years later? That was, I think, you know, when you're in a relationship and you have a child I think that in the beginning of the relationship of course everything is wonderful and great and it's new and it's perfect and all this stuff and I think that um having my son certainly put and I don't want to you know I'm not I'm not speaking against my child I'm just saying that having a child obviously puts a strain on a relationship sure um especially for 
to people that are still fairly young, you know, in their mid twenties. Okay. Um, so I think that trying to adjust to having a small child living together, then trying to plan a wedding and all of these things, like, um, it was stressful, Sure. but I think we sort of made our way through it. We kind of just, you know, felt our way through it. Um, I don't think I realized that maybe this was not necessarily what I wanted or what was for me as far as the relationship was concerned until several more years into it. Okay. Okay. And I think realistically, you know, you pointed out this idea of when you're first years of marriage and you've got a child and a career and trying to, you know, learn each other, learn yourself. There's so much going on that we oftentimes focus on everything else than really kind of focusing in on, am I good? Right. And, and then life just kind of happens. And especially when we're young, I look back and think, gosh, some of the things that, I was either doing or decisions that I were making at, you know, 23, certainly as somebody who's sitting here now at 43, was like, Lord, it's a wonder that I made it through, right? Like, just, you know, things that you learn with age, I think. So then, you know, here you are, you have one son, and marriage is going forward, the two of you are, you know, finding your way. Did you guys end up having more kids or do you you have the one son together? Um, no. Well, yeah, I mean, we have more than one child. Okay. Um, as the marriage progressed, um, I was in school. He was in school working. Um, so we waited a little while okay. to have the second child because there was just, like you said, there was just so much stuff going on. Like we just could not add another one to the plate right that second. Yep. So there are six years difference between my first and my second. Nice. Um, so, yeah, we did end up having one more. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Woo. I'm telling you, listen, that six-year gap, um, <laughs> God love you because after my second got out of uh, diapers and was potty trained, I was like, okay, the, the station is closed here, right? Like, I cannot even think about having another having another child but that's another podcast for another day so certainly but i guess in our defense we were still we had the first one so young yes that the second one came around 30 which was not i mean i think probably obviously when i was 18 i thought 30 was ancient yes yes by the time i got there i was like oh well i was like it's not that bad yeah, no, you're right. That's fair. That's fair. Because we definitely at 18 thought they, 30 was ancient. And now I look back at 30 and I'm like, oh my gosh, I was a baby. Exactly. Uh, so yes, it's all about perspective. So two kids, careers are going, things are going. At what point do you think you thought, okay, you know what? We're we are headed for for divorce or was there a moment in time where it was like all right it's clear we're kind of going in two different directions yeah I think probably like a little bit right after my second child was born um it became exponentially more difficult to kind of get along and kind of make this thing work the way it was supposed to um and the handwriting was 
pretty much on the wall um, after my second child was born. I think it just took a couple of years to kind of come to fruition and like everybody to kind of get on the same page with it. Okay. And were you at a point where, or were your kids at a point where you felt like you could have kind of the conversation with them? Were they old enough at that point to kind of say, hey, you know what, mom and dad are moving in separate directions? Or was were they still too young to really kind of get it? And so it just kind of evolved in a way where mom and dad are now in separate spaces? Um, certainly my youngest was only two. Okay. So um, no way to even explain that. Um, clearly, like, I'm sure he has no recollection of us even being, you know, yep. kind of similar to myself and my parents. Um, my oldest was eight at the time. Okay. Um, I don't remember having a direct conversation with him about divorce and actually maybe saying that word or, you know, I think we just kind of had a vague conversation about, you know, everyone still loves you. There's nothing that you did wrong. Um, yep. We're just going to be living in separate households. Like, okay. I think it was sort of this, like, we were trying to put it on this, what, third, fourth grade level. Yep. And um, we did we did take some extra precautions as far as like kind of contacting the school and like kind of letting them know, hey, this is the family situation. This is what's going on. You know, please let us know if there are changes in behavior or work habits or concentration or focus or just acting out in general. Sure. Um, but I mean, to be perfectly honest, I mean, people are always so concerned about the kids and how to tell them and how it's going to affect them. But it's really the adults that don't like the change, not the kids. Yes. And yes. Kids are super resilient. And my oldest had zero issues. Thank you for saying that. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. And this is why we're having this conversation because I think, you know, many women struggle with, the idea of, you know, do I stay? Do I leave for the sake of the children? And there's a lot of fear about, you know, will the kids struggle and is how it's going to impact them. And, and so I love that you say, my experience has been my my kids were fine and they were fine and it you know it's really a lot of times the adults who have the harder time with change because i have found as somebody who works with clients in thinking about a parenting schedule or you know transition that the kids really are fine. And frankly, depending on how long the parents have kind of been at odds, they are like, thank goodness, right? Like there's a sense of relief a lot of times for kids because the amount of stress that's happening in the household that, you know, they're very much open to the, okay, we're going to try something different. And so, you know, I, I love that you had the experience of saying, you know what, he was good. <laughs> so well and he was and I mean and really I was that is why I was very concerned myself because that was the only you know that was kind of the only um exposure that I had had as well as that 
you know, it's going to really mess with your kids and it's going to make them like these raving lunatic serial killers later. <laughs> yes, yes. And I was like, oh God. And I, that's why I contacted the school and that's why I was so concerned and so worried. And when it wasn't that way, you know, cause I would do these like weekly check-ins with his teacher and she was like, and the guidance counselor. And they were like, no, we're not noticing anything. <laughs> He's fine. And even several years down the line, um, my oldest actually, you know, like my family is from Ohio. So okay. they would often come and visit and, um, I had a discussion with my grandmother probably about two years into the divorce, maybe. Okay. And my oldest son had actually expressed to her that he recognized that I really didn't need his dad and that I was a lot happier without him. Wow. And he noticed that on his own. Like, that was nothing that was, like, yeah. said to him or, you know, told to him. Um he just kind of, that was his own take on the situation. And I'm sure that grabbed your heart like I can't imagine, right? Yeah. Because having him come to that on his own and then sharing that then, you know, with your grandmother, you know, it's kind of like a twofold. One, I'm good, grandma. But then two, it's, and mom is good, right? So it's... You know, we are all going to be okay. And and so that's, wow, that's huge. That's huge. So here we've got two kids and, you know, you're going through um, a divorce. Were you working during this time period as well? Yes. So how did you manage everything? I mean, you know, work, kids, the divorce, your own needs. Like, how, how do you do it all? How do you get through that time? I'm still asking myself that. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's difficult, you know, and I won't like, you know, I won't sugarcoat it and say that it's not because it's, it's very difficult. Yeah. Um, I think that being perfectly honest, the self-care for me took a back burner. Okay. Um, just for a while just for a while, but in the beginning, I was just trying to make sure that the kids were good, that we were stable, that routines really didn't change all that much. Okay. And that, you know, everybody was spending these equal amounts of time with everybody and we were all trying like our very best to get along. Um, the first couple of years are, are extremely rough. Um, there is like light at the end of the tunnel somewhere. Okay. Um, but I think that support is very important, whether that is, you know, your family, your friends, um, whatever that is that helps you get through it. Yep. Um, you have to lean on those people because otherwise you will not be able to get it done. Um, unfortunately, as the mother we don't often have the luxury of breaking down. Right. Uh, because we are juggling all the balls in the air. Yep. So there were plenty of nights that I just sort of, you know, everybody's in bed, everybody's eaten, all the homework is done, all the practices are over, you know, all that kind of stuff is finished. And there was plenty of nights that I just kind of like shut the door 
or to my room and just like bold. Yeah. Um, but that's also therapeutic. Yes, it is. It is having that release and being and feeling your emotion is a part of self-care and it's very important as well. So yes. Absolutely. And I think the biggest thing that I did for myself during that time period is that I went and got some therapy. Okay. And that hour, you know, every week or every two weeks or whatever it was, it was definitely, that's what I would guess would be my, you know, that was my self-care. You know, it wasn't like my nails or massages or vacations or whatever. It was just more about having this like hour that was like carved out to talk about like what I was feeling. Okay. Because a lot of times your emotions are just all over the place during that first initial time period. So to have somebody like just dedicated to me and say like what you're feeling is completely normal. Here's how we'll be able to deal with it. Here's some coping mechanisms. Here's some strategies. That was like probably the most invaluable thing that I did for myself. Nice. Nice. That makes sense. It was that one hour about you. It's not about figuring out especially when you're in the divorce process, it's not about figuring out, right, what we're doing about the parenting schedule for the kids, what we're doing about unwinding finances, because it's those things all deal with other people as well. But this was that one time that you could really just kind of connect in a way that's about you. So that's huge. That's huge. So tell me then, your process, the legal process, what process did you guys choose? Meaning, were you in traditional litigation? So, you know, both had lawyers and kind of went their court process? Or did you do like mediation with a mediator? Or was it more about we sat down and really could knock things out and and kind of then took it over the finish line? What process did you guys engage in? Um, it's really funny because, you know, I spoke about my legal background. So, and most people that, you know, have one knows, you know, the, the saying that, you know, the, um, you know, he who represents himself has a fool for a client. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Well, I am the fool. Okay. So So there's that. Yeah, because of the legal background, I said, you know, I kind of said to my ex, we can just do this. We can figure it out. Okay. And that's kind of what we did. We just kind of hashed out some things. We picked different days where, you know, he kind of came to the house and we just pulled out like a legal pad and started talking about the things in the house and, you know, who wanted what and, you know, who was going to stay in the house, who was going to move out. Okay. Um, We sat down and we spoke about a custody schedule, um, you know, just how we were going to handle that. We even talked about our own child support, what, how we were doing that. Um, We just all, we hashed everything out ourselves. I did the separation agreement, everything. Okay. Um, So I guess it was more, if I had to say, I would say that I would not repeat that. Okay. Okay. That was going to be my next question, right? Because there are pros and cons to every process, right? So, you know, certainly a, a having the legal background, you know, you certainly know, look, we got to make sure, you know, T's are crossed, I's are dotted, there are some things we can kind of hash this out. 
Cons, though, can be some other things that I'd love for you to kind of share. And when you're saying, you know, hindsight, I probably wouldn't do that again. Why not? Um, I certainly wouldn't do it again because when I was saying that, you know, the first, you know, the first few months, the first few years, all of that stuff is this like, you know, great big adjustment period. And you are so emotionally involved and attached to the situation that you cannot really like think coherently. Yeah. And as trying to represent yourself and trying to think of every possible scenario doesn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. So things slip through the cracks that maybe wouldn't have if I had enlisted, you know, a totally separate person that just didn't have a dog in the fight. Right. And I think it would have been a much, it wasn't that it wasn't a smooth process, but I think that down the line when we, when we did get to these little hiccups, um, those would have already been worked out. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And we wouldn't have had maybe some of the disagreements or arguments that we had trying to, you know, kind of shift through those things. Right. If we had had someone else already think of them in the beginning. I like that. And it's so interesting because this certainly, um, I think, validates for me some of the things that, that I tell clients all the time. It's devil is in the detail because when you're dealing with um divorce specifically it's all the little things that the average person is not thinking about because it's things that you assume just kind of work themselves out but those are the areas where people get tripped up and those are the areas where small things can become big things very quickly and so you know i i do think that having that neutral person or that individual to kind of say, you know, hey, you guys need to, you know, think about this or did you give some thought to this Um, or we need to make sure that we close the gap on this so that maybe we can avoid, um, you know, future issues down the road. Right. Mm -hmm. And we certainly did not do that. Okay. Um, In North Carolina, um, mediation is required. Okay. um, custody issues. Yep. Unless you've already reached an agreement. Yep. Okay. Um, we did that. We we put that in our own custody. Agree- we put that in our own separation agreement. Okay. Um. And I again probably wish that I had gone through a mediation and kind of had some different viewpoints brought up and maybe given me like some food for thought for different scenarios. Okay. Um, We settled on a week to week um, custody situation because my ex wanted to be just as involved as I was. Yep. And I did not mind that because I have two sons. So I certainly think that, you know, their father is as important as I am. Sure. Um, So I didn't mind that. And we did kind of come up with a, you know, we weren't going to live more than maybe like, you know, 10 miles apart. Because we didn't want to run into issues with school and addresses and, you know, things of that nature as well. Um, But we also agreed that nobody would pay child support because we were splitting this custody thing evenly. I see. Big mistake. Okay. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. 
because we know, right, that expenses come up um, and in any scenario, and I, I think that, you know, child support, however it's calculated, is hard because we know that, you know, raising kids, it, it's not a it's not linear, right? And it's not a bright line. And, you know, one month, maybe they're not eating as much. And then the next month, all of a sudden, they've decided that everything in the fridge needs to go in their stomach. Like, it's, it's um, you know, expensive and can get expensive. So thank you for saying, look, this may have been something that we should have reevaluated. Absolutely. I mean, you have to be the person, and for myself, um, I think it was more... And I understand, you know, like I'm not an unreasonable person and I certainly know that life is not always fair. Right. Um, But when you're doing this, you know, splitting with the kids and the money, um, um, I think it should be as fair as it possibly can be. Yeah. And I think that you have to take into consideration, you know, my ex and I did try to split, you know, my kids are very active as far as like sports and stuff like that. Um, That stuff is not cheap. Like, you know, from the registration fees to the equipment yep. that's needed, you know, all of that stuff. We tried to, to the travel that goes along with it. Um, we tried to split a lot of those things down the middle. Um, but you also have to have somebody that is consistently willing to do that, you know? Right. And if somebody gets, you know, a little angry with you at some point, well, maybe they don't want to split it. Right. You know? Um, yeah. If there's one parent that is paying for health insurance for the kids, well, you know, no one ever told me like, hey, maybe you should be getting some of that money back from him because, you know, you're paying, you know, for everybody. Yeah. Um, You know, just small things that just weren't pointed out until I got like, you know, I just didn't obviously know until I actually got to the bridge. Right. Right. And had to cross it. Right. Right. And then when I start to bring up some of those things, I am a lot of times met with, you know, a lot of resistance and animosity about it. Sure. Because I'm sure the thought was, we've already addressed these things, right? It's Well, the thought was also, I don't want to pay you. Well, there's that. that I mean, that's kind of the underlying, right? <laughs> like that's, that, that's a given anytime, right? And, and, but that, I, listen, that goes, I think, both ways for any time. Somebody's coming at me, you know, asking, hey, we got to split this, we got to split that. At some point, you're like, my God, right? But, but you're right. I think having the ability to kind of sit down and explore and really truly understand all of the nuances would be very helpful and is very helpful um, when we're thinking about the impact of things like the parenting time versus child-related expenses and the day-to-day expenses and, and how support covers and what it does. And then also things like, you know, health insurance or, you know, uninsured health expenses. So having somebody and by that somebody being an attorney who can say, hey, we should probably walk through this so we're all on the same page and know, you know, um, that this is taken care of so that it doesn't later become an issue. That had been decided from the very beginning, and those sorts of blocks had already been laid, then there wouldn't have been this, um, you know, sort of uproar when 
certain things were starting to kind of unfold with daily life. Yeah, yeah. That I mean, we're, you know, even things, you know, as simple as birthday parties. Gotcha. You know, yeah. children are expensive and, you know, they want these extravagant parties. Yes. And they want- <laughs> yes. No, but it, it's the it's the realities of life that, that we don't often think about but those are the kinds of things that trip you up right it's you know here we've got a milestone birthday or just a regular so whether it's a 10 year old birthday versus you know they're turning 11 there's all kinds of request so whether it's hey we're gonna you know throw a big thing or i want to take five kids to the movies well five kids to the movies that's not ten dollars right Yeah. So it's all it's all those little things, um, you know, to get fleshed out. And and certainly, again, going back to the having somebody who is in the space and who is a professional in the space of saying, you know, you might want to figure this out or maybe we should figure out how to address this now so that, you know, it it hopefully will prevent, um, you know, issues down the road. I, I, I really love that. Tell me just generally, you know, when you think about the divorce, what was the hardest part of the divorce for you? Um, the hardest part, I think, um, was probably just the breaking up of the family. Okay. And I think this, um, this new normal. I I think that, you know, it's like I said, I think that adults sort of struggle with the change more than the kids do. Yes. So just to be apart from that person that you've spent such a significant amount of time with, just to have to kind of maneuver certain things on your own when you had a partner that could kind of help and jump in before, now you're trying to figure those things out by yourself or you're trying to enlist some other people to help you. Yeah. Um, it's, that was probably the biggest thing to adjust to, which is creating like this new normal, this new schedule, this new level of consistency for the kids. Okay. Kind of trying to figure out the, um, you know, the visitation and, you know, the, the custody arrangements and the holidays and, um, stuff like that was always, you know, even though you've got it written down, right. you know, there's always these little things that pop up like, oh, my great aunt Mary came in town, seen <laughs> the kids, you know, since they were born, and I have Thanksgiving, you know, it's yes. like, wait, you know. Yes. <laughs> yes. Always something that comes up. And I mean, and I think if you've got a good co-parent, you know, you can always play around with it. Um, you know, we used to kind of do a Sunday to Sunday um, schedule. And what we sort of discovered was that that was not really feasible for us because if either one of us wanted to go out of town, that kind of put a crink in when we would come back. Okay. So we went to a Monday to Monday. Oh. It has worked, you know, much better. But it's all about, you know, because then you're starting to factor in, you know, this, you know, everybody's starting to lead these alternate lives. Yes. Yes. You know, I I like the use of, quote, new normal, 
because it really sets forth the, yes, what we had before, our schedules before, our lives before, that was our normal at the time. We now have a new normal and we are moving in it in a different direction. And I think that puts a better foundation for future growth and transition than leaning consistently on this is how we've always done it, what we used to do, because the reality of it is, right, things have changed and they will change as a result of the divorce. So having this new normal and and shaping that and crafting it in a way that works for you, I, I think is great on so many levels. But I also really hear you with, look, there's some trial and error here. So, you know, we had a schedule that we thought originally was going to work. But then when we were kind of moving into it, we recognized that maybe we need to tweak something. I think, though, one of the things that you kind of briefly reference, but I want to pull out a little bit is this idea of co-parenting, right? And how co-parenting really takes a lot of work. Um, And when you think about co-parenting, you know, what do you think is the biggest lesson that you have learned over the years in terms of making a co-parenting arrangement work? I think the biggest thing, um, if, if, No one takes anything else away from this. (laughs) Um, This. Please do not allow third parties to influence or get in the way of your ability to co-parent. Wow. Um, Wow. Speaking from my own personal experience, obviously. Yeah. you know, obviously, as everyone moves forward in their lives, um, you know, people come in, come out, you know, things of that nature, you know, people you're dating, whatever. Um, I was always very careful, even even though I have sons, I was still always very careful about who met my children. Okay. Um, don't introduce a lot of, you know, strangers that, you know, I may like one day and then they uh, they I am repulsed. Yep. Um so that was a big, you know, big issue for me to make sure that that's how I handled things on my end. Um my ex not so much. Okay. Um and you know, children, you know, children don't know that they're not supposed to like talk, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> they go to their dads and they come home yes. and have all kinds of something. You know? yes. And um I think that Unfortunately, on his end, he allowed some people that he was dealing with, um, and he even allowed his mother to sort of, you know, everybody's kind of given their two cents. Yes, yes. And that does not bode very well for our relationship. Okay. Because at the end of the day, these are the two children that, you know, we laid down and made, not everyone else. Yep. So ultimately, we are the people that are responsible for them and their daily decisions, regardless of what everyone else seems to think. Yeah. And of course, 
parents are always going to give their opinion unsolicited or not. You right. Know? Like, right, right, of course. You know, they're like, I'm your parent, I'm going to tell you what I think, and that's fine. Um, you know, just as long as you have very healthy boundaries with your parent about, you know, kind of, I'll take your opinion, but, you know, it is certainly not the gospel, you know, like right. I'm the person that's raising these children. Right. But I certainly think that if you allow a girlfriend, boyfriend, fiance, husband, new husband, new wife, whatever it happens to be, whatever stage it's at, um, you can't really allow those people to have these very significant opinions about your co-parenting with your ex. That's huge, because that was not where I was thinking, right? But this is why I'm having these conversations, because that's a real life Third parties got to sit down, right? So it's uh, when I think about co-parenting challenges, I I am often um, surprised by things that I hear and and interactions that people are having. But, you know, for you to kind of give voice and saying, look, these are our kids. And no matter who's kind of coming in, coming out, or even if it's your own kind of extended family, it, it really should be, look, this is our lane and everybody can ride alongside, but but we gotta, as co-parents here, we have to be the people in the driver's seat because that's gonna help our relationship uh, work. And, and then by extension, of course, work for the kids. So that's right. great. Um, my co-parenting relationship was ruined okay. um, by people that aren't even in the picture anymore. <laughs> so uh, that's why I say like third parties really have no space in that with, with the kids unless, and I know there's all these different caveats. And so unless you marry that person and that person is sort of responsible for helping to take care of my kids. Right then they really don't have a say so because at this juncture, you know, I've, I've been divorced a long time. You know, I've been divorced almost 10 years. Wow. And our co-parenting relationship was ruined by people that he doesn't even date anymore. Right. They're gone. And and we still have to do this. And this has now been impacted from somebody who's not even around anymore. Absolutely. And a lot of the reason behind you know some of this stuff was not the best interest of my children you know what I mean like there weren't these third parties that were saying oh I think this is best for the kids and I think that they will benefit from this a lot of the third party stuff that was going on was this insecurity with these women that he was dating that he was gonna you know that he and I may reconcile yes or yes you know all of these other very petty immature sort of things and they really did not want him to have a lot of contact with me. And and I'm not blaming them, you know, the third party. Sure. Because they're only expressing their own emotions and their own feelings. Sure. When you are the parent, you must step in and say, this is my ex. I share children with this woman and I must speak to her on occasion. Yeah. You know, like, yes. there's no option here because we have kids that we are still raising. You know, let's let's drill down on that because I think that's important to really hit home that 
When you start moving forward in your own kind of personal life and and relationships, um, to really make it clear, look, I have to continue to have a relationship with my co-parent because we have kids together, right? So this idea that I am never going to have to engage with this individual is just unrealistic on so many levels. And I think that when you are ready to date or, or, you know, in those spaces, being very clear and intentional about, hey, these are my kids. I have an ex. And even if I can't stand that other person and they are no longer in my life romantically, they are connected to me forever because we share children. So sit down because I have to engage with them. So I... I think that's huge to to really be clear on about the extent of um, having a third party impact your co-parenting relationship because you are going to be co-parenting with this individual on, you know, for the foreseeable. Right. Yeah. Especially when your children are much younger. Yeah. You know, that is, you know, and it's, it's like, it's not even just the... It's not even just the co-parenting as far as like the daily decisions or things of that nature. I mean, like I said, you know, my kids were heavily involved in sports and, right. you know, there's obviously going to be these like school, you know, like these band recitals and these chorus concerts, Yes, and, you know, things that both parents are always going to be present at. Yep. And what you don't want to do is create this like looming cloud of tension every time everyone's in the Yes, because that's a real thing. And it's horrible and awkward and uncomfortable for everybody. I, um, yeah, I, you know, it, um, I have good friends who their parents are, gosh, I don't know, into their 60s, because we're, you know, in our 40s. And, you know, she often talks about how to this day, her parents can't be in the same room with each other. And she's like, you know, come on, get it together. Like, it makes it so uncomfortable for everybody else. Right. And it makes people feel like they have to choose. Yes, yes. And so, you know, lesson here, don't make your children feel like you have to choose or they have to choose because you're too immature to say, I can sit in the same space with this person at least for the concert or Absolutely. the graduation or, or whatever it is. Whatever it is, the yep. birthday party, whatever, you know, like it just shouldn't, it should not make the kids feel a certain type of way. Yep. Yep. I love it. So tell me, after all of this, and you mentioned that, you know, you have now been divorced for what, 10 years. What did you learn about yourself during this process? I, the biggest takeaway was, um, I'm okay. I think that I was very concerned, um, you know, being, when you get married very young and you start having children very young, there is this thing that sort of, when you're getting a divorce, there is this thing that sort of sits in the back of your mind about whether or not you are capable of doing this by yourself. Okay. 
Um, whether you are, you know, going to be, you know, financially solvent enough to do it, you know, whether you are going to have the patience to do it, whether you are going to have any support to do it, whether you, you know, whether or not you're just going to literally crack up and maybe just go play in traffic. Right. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. it's, it's a, you know, because obviously, you know, raising children, you know, each stage brings this whole different, you know, set of problems, you know, this collective of issues. Right. Um, and if you don't have this really great, you know, co-parenting relationship, it's really difficult to sort of tackle a lot of those things on your own. Um, what I think I just, I learned that like, I'm fine, you know, like I'm okay. Like I can do this. I can raise these kids. I can pay for my life. I'm independent. I'm okay. Um, people have often said to me that, you know, over the course of these, you know, over this past decade that. I am too independent. Okay. <laughs> and, you know, and I don't, and I don't take it as, you know, I don't take it as a dig. Because yes. I'm like, I've had to be, you know, like there, there was not a choice in that matter. You know, like there were these other people that were dependent on me. Yes. So I had to make sure that they were taken care of at all times, yep. um, regardless of what that required. Um, I've had other people say, you know, you act like a man. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. And I think that that, and, and I think sometimes people are trying to be like, you know, they're trying, they are trying to give a little dig. Right. But again, it doesn't phase me in that manner because it's more to me, they don't want to see women kind of stepping up to the plate. Right. Right. And like being able to do everything that a man does and most of the time do it better. Yep. So you know, people will say things to try to kind of knock you down like a couple of pegs and kind of try to put you back into that maybe more submissive, like womanly feminine role. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm the head of my household. So yep. I have to be a certain type of way. Yep. Um, I've also discovered that self-care is like so important. Okay. Um, I think that I was so used to doing everything for my kids during my marriage that when we went to the weekly kind of custody schedule, um, in the beginning, I was terrified. Okay. Because my kids were really young and my ex had not really participated in a lot of their daily care. And I did not know what in the world was going to happen right. when I wasn't there. Um, as time went on, you know, and I could kind of see that, you know, they weren't, you know, he, they weren't burning down the house, right? And, you know, all these different things weren't, they weren't going to the hospital every week or whatever. Yep. Um, I started to calm down a little bit yeah. and I started to actually enjoy some of the downtime that I was getting. Yes. And I actually would have those two weeks per month where now, don't get me wrong. My children were, you know, blowing up my phone, even when they were in bed. <laughs> always, I mean, you know, they always forget something. Or yes. They always need something. And, yes. You know, and I got it. And because we live so close, you know, yes. jump in the car, run down the street, you yes. know, run over to the school, whatever it may be. <laughs> sure. But I did start to appreciate some of those days and nights that I could just, you know, yeah. have a glass of wine, watch a TV show, you know, um, read a book, yeah, 
go on a vacation without children. Yeah. You know, like it was, it started to become this thing that I really recognized was super important for my own mental health. Okay. I think that's so important. I think it's so important to have that realization that they are going to be okay. And once, as you mentioned, you know, once you kind of calmed down and settled into this new normal and the schedule and allowed yourself to enjoy those moments, um, that, you know, that's when I think things oftentimes really start to kind of gel um, and really truly do become the new normal. Um, so thank you, you know, certainly for, for sharing that. I, I am, again, just so honored and, and humbled um, to be able to have this conversation with you and, and for you to openly and honestly share your experience, um, you know, as, as having worked as a divorce attorney for many years, I know that going through a divorce can be a lonely experience for many women, um, especially black women. And so, you know, the fact that you were open enough to say, yes, I will share my experience and, and, um, you know, tell us all of these wonderful gems that I hope, um, someone who's listening can really kind of take away or see in themselves. Um, I, I, I am really, really honored that you um, were able to share your journey. So any last kind of, you know, kind of words or thoughts for someone who's listening who may be thinking about divorce or going through this um, that you would want to share with them? Um, what I would say is I know that well, my experience was when um, my ex and I finally decided to separate and divorce. Um, I was really genuinely surprised by the amount of people that came up to me and were like, what did you do? How did you do it? I need to get out. Yeah. And, I was, and I'm kind of sitting there like this, you know, with this very shocked look on my face because there were all these couples that I thought were extremely happy and yeah they weren't yeah um and they just needed like this one person to like do make a move and then they all wanted to make a move <laughs> <laughs> yes and i'm yes. like uh yes. i'm not the guru on board right. sure. <laughs> yes yes um, so what i would say to people is and mainly what i would say to women you know because this is you know what i'm that's my you know that's that's who i would be concerned about um know your own worth and if you're not happy and you've tried and you've really given it this like wonderful effort and it's still not working it is okay to go and make yourself happy and your kids will be fine you know you stay in prayer you have like a strong support system you have faith you know whatever or that may be, um, even if things are rocky in the beginning, prayerfully, they will get better. Um, it just, and once you're out of the situation, I know it's so difficult to even see that on the other side because it, when you're in the thick of it, it's just so hard to see what the other side even looks like. But when you're past it and you're out of it, there will just be like this one day you'll wake up and you'll be like, oh my gosh, like I'm fine. This is okay. Like, I think this is going to be okay. 
And I think it gives you this opportunity to just kind of re-get to know yourself. Um, a lot of women tend to lose themselves in relationships. Yep. Um, kind of just becoming part of that couple. Yes. And kind of bending to what their partner wants. And I think that once you're out of it, it finally gives you this opportunity to re-get to know who you are and what you like and what you don't like. And I think as you go on down the road with yourself, you will discover that, you know, in your next relationships, in your next marriage, whatever it is, you won't settle. I love it. I I love it. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for joining me and sharing your journey, your experience, because I know it's gonna truly help somebody as they are in their own process, in their own journey. So thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Grown Girl Divorce Podcast. Remember, though you may be going through a difficult time, you're grown and you got this. Please be sure to tell your girlfriends about us. Follow us on Instagram at Grown Girl Divorce and subscribe to the podcast so that you don't miss out on any new conversations. The conversations on this podcast are for informational purposes only and are not intended to substitute working directly with a lawyer. These episodes are not to be used as a basis to support or defend any legal action and transcripts or recordings of the podcast may not be used for any purpose without the direct written permission of the podcast owner.